Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Billboard Charity Podcast. Gary Trust, Billboard's co-director of charts. And hey guys, it's Trevor Anderson, a chart manager here at Billboard. This is where we look at why. What's on the charts is on the charts. Uh, welcome back. Lots on the podcast to get to this week. Uh, big week for Drake, streaming-wise. Uh, one of the biggest streaming weeks ever for God's Plan. So we're going to get into all that. Uh, Drake streams and uh, where he is in the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, plus, uh, B.B. Rexa makes history on the Hot Country Songs chart. And uh, she's in the top 10 of the Hot 100. And as she's on Warner Brothers Records, she's going to be a focus of our industry insider interview this week. We're going to chat with Mike Sherwood from Warner Brothers about a bunch of the label's acts that are uh, doing really well right now. B.B. Rexa, Dua Lipa, uh, Blockboy JB, all top 10 hits uh, lately. Macklemore is uh, doing really well. So uh, that's coming up. Uh, before we get to that, I just want to uh, draw a little extra attention to a song that maybe in some ways, Trevor, is more important than any song we're going to talk about uh, chart-wise Give a listen to this song. It's called Shine. not familiar with that song it was performed last week at the end of the cnn town hall by the stoneman douglas drama club and because the music tie-in obviously we're interested in billboard but uh how amazing uh, these students who are speaking on cnn taking on uh, politicians and people at the nra and never mind how uh, eloquent they were just in their questions and comments but uh, to have a song ready to go that they wrote and performed as if they'd uh, been performing that for so long it was so polished uh afterwards people on twitter uh, were saying that this needs to be the number one song uh, in the country it needs to be recorded it needs to be put on itunes as a benefit single i just uh, on top of everything that those students have been saying i thought it was uh, extra impressive they got a song on top of it too 
yeah, I think really the entire country, if not the entire world, uh, has really been amazed and impressed with what these teens have been able to do in, in the weeks after we saw this horrific incident uh, down in, in Parkland, Florida. And, and you're right, for obviously some of the kids, I think, who have been... Um, who feel more confident in speaking and more confident in debating have been taking on those roles, um, particularly in a lot of the press conferences or, or in the media or even on Twitter. And you know, what a great way for another group of kids, um, some of them who may not feel as comfortable speaking outright or in front or, you know, I mean, attacking the president or, or such to use their talents um, as well in a different way to bring a good sense of, of community and, and hopefulness. Because obviously, uh, you know, as people should, and I think people can agree, you know, why they understand there, there's frustration, there's anger, there's um, resentment, there's, there's bitterness about how and why this all went down. But I mean, also, you know, there's a lot of, of, of grief and, and confusion and um, feeling of, of hopelessness. And for this song and, and those kids to uh, address that and be able to take that on head on is just, I mean, incredible. Yeah, the, uh, the message of the song and the lyrics, uh, we're tired of hearing that we're too young to ever make a change, is, uh, is what they're saying. And uh, it feels like uh, they're not at all too young. It feels like their message is certainly being heard in a way that we really haven't heard before. And I think it's just uh, obviously touching people because uh, it's so it's so from the heart. It's so uh, pure emotion and coming from a place of, of logic against people who've been in the political machine for decades in many cases. And uh, I think that's why it's so endearing. Yeah, and I think, I mean, to that point about um, being too young to make, to make a difference, I think that's one of the, the great things about this is I've seen so many people, um, I mean, uh, former President Barack Obama in particular was really championing how we've always seen youth and young kids, you know, drive revolutions. I mean, not to get too deep, but, you know, in like basically all of world history, you know, it, it's it's never really started from the top down. I mean, it's really been, been kids demanding change. And, you know, it's it's great to see that this one is something that, um, that this event is something that is really, you can really get the real sense that, that they're willing to go all the way no matter how long it takes. You know, they, they will not let this sort of settle into the back burner and become business as usual. And I mean, again, just how can you not be moved and inspired? And I mean, even, you know, no matter what side of the debate that you're on, I mean, just I think we can all appreciate the enthusiasm and, and the, um, the intensity that these kids are bringing to that. I mean, that's something we've been sort of talking about grappling as a country for a couple of years, if not a decade now, about how the youth seem so how they're just apathetic and they don't really care about anything and they don't have any attachments besides, you know, your cell phone and Chick-fil-A or whatever and to see them putting their energy towards something that they really believe in is... Is, is that what the kids at, focused on? Chick-fil-A nowadays? Is that, is that what life's about? I'll tell you, I, look, I'll tell you, man, back in high school we used to love Chick-fil-A. It wasn't like our, it wasn't we ate it every day, but... I'd, I'd actually really like to see uh, an all-star version of the song recorded. The message, obviously, is so important, but uh, how, how cool would it be to take the song that was just uh, written within the last uh, couple weeks or so? Uh, so many acts. Uh, I'm, if any label people are listening, I, I put that out there. I, I think this could be a, a great benefit single. Got to be enough of them actively supporting this cause. I mean... <laughs> Good luck on getting all the arrangements together, but you never know. Yeah, for charity, it can happen. So I know Billboard's looking into that a little bit deeper. I, so Gary, so, Gary, for that executive producer credit, listen uh, at this. Uh, I just think it's like it's a, a great message. So happy to uh, to put that out there. And uh, yeah, music can can do its small part. Maybe it's maybe not so small uh, to remind us what's good at a time when uh, news uh, is anything but that. Let's get to this week's top ten on the Billboard Hot 100. Ten, nine, eight. 
out for a fifth week if you're keeping score at home that is Drake and the song God's Plan uh, so much has been said about God's Plan in, in the past month here on the podcast and believe it or not we have even more for you historic week this week in terms of streaming last week uh, we mentioned when we knew that the video was going to be out and have its first seven days in one tracking week which is this week if the song could hit the 100 million weekly u.s streams mark and no surprise it did drake blowing past that with 101.7 million streams which is the second highest total ever recorded in nielsen music history uh just just a hair under harlem shake by bauer uh just about five years ago it was exactly five years ago to the chart week for for what that's worth now those streams are actually massive enough that if the song were just Getting in streaming points, it still would have topped the Hot 100 this week. But leave it to Drake to uh, not only do that, but also be the top-selling song of the week this week, pulling uh, 81,000 downloads. So he's got the number one streamer, the number one seller, and 
very possibly could be number one at radio sometime in the near future. The song moves into the top 10 of the radio songs chart this week, uh, jumping up five spots, number 13 last week, up to number eight. And I mean, the song's building incredibly well at urban radio, basically topping all of the uh, R&B or hip hop airplay charts that we have uh, here at Billboard. Pop radio getting on board as well. I mean, there's only seven more spots to go and the way this thing's been moving up just, you know, and taking over everything it touches i mean very possibly could be it could be a number one radio hit in the future even though it doesn't feel like it has this big radio sound to it yeah it's moving it's moving quickly so that's i mean that's the final piece at this point uh, of the puzzle it's got the streams it's got the sales now radio is it really kicking in uh it's the number one uh, gainer in all three metrics uh, streaming airplay and sales this week kind of interesting that uh, it does that while well in its fifth week at number one. Usually, songs that make these gains are uh, fairly at the very beginning of their chart lives. And in a way, this is. It's only five weeks old. They've just all been at number one on the Hot 100. So, look back. Just kind of an interesting stat, I thought, that uh, the last song to be the greatest gainer in all metrics on the Hot 100 uh, in its fifth week at least number one on the Hot 100 or later. Uh, we got to go back again uh, just about five years. Blurred Lines. And that was uh, in its ninth week at number one. And it was the week that uh, the Blurred Lines album by Robin Thicke came out. So same kind of thing. The video this week gives it that boost. Uh, that week it was the album. So it just kind of shows that you can be number one for a while and then still have another uh, catalyst that will kick in and keep a song going even further. Yeah, and as you can imagine, with Drake having such a massive lead, uh, impressively in streams more than anything, there's a long way to fall between uh, number one and number two. And so it seems like, you know, even if Drake can't match the streaming total, um, which would probably be unlikely um, in the next couple of weeks, I mean, the way this thing's moving at radio, it's still selling very strongly. And with numbers two, three, and four, which are uh, Ed Sheeran's Perfect, Bruno Mars and Cardi with Finesse, and Camila Cabello's Havana all starting to slide back. Those songs have kind of seems like they've hit their peak and are, are moving back down the chart. Not much to challenge it. God's plan could be number one for the long haul. Yeah, it could come down to what new music is out. We know there's new Post Malone music. There's new Logic. It could be something at this point that, that just isn't on the chart at this point. Yeah, I will say the Post Malone song. Um, I mean, Spotify is only, of course, one metric that goes into the chart, but Today, I, I noticed, which is Tuesday, that Psycho, uh, the new song from Post Malone with Ty Dolla Sign, got more streams on Spotify yesterday than God's Plan. Yeah. God's Plan have been really been dwarfing everything um, for the past couple of weeks, so Post can mount a challenge as well. The song's been selling well on iTunes, could be the top-selling song of the week next week. Uh, won't have... As you can expect, you know, the the massive radio play that Drake's song has, so he'll be kind of losing in that category, but we saw the damage that Post Malone did with Rockstar when it came out uh, at the end of last year, ended up having eight weeks at number one, so, I mean, at this point, you know that Post probably has his sights on that top spot again, and they'll be gunning for it. Uh, for now, for Drake, a couple ways to look at really how big the domination is this week for God's Plan. Uh, uh, the point difference. Uh, so songs, uh, a formula in the Hot 100, uh, streams, airplay, sales, all uh, translates to points. Uh, if you were to add the points of the number two and number three song, Perfect and Finesse, it has more points than number two and three combined. And if you've done the research, uh, too, Trevor, on this, it has a more than two to one points lead over Perfect. So that's just absolutely huge. It's one of... What'd you find? Only uh, 20 songs in the Hot 100's uh, last 25 years since the Hot 100 has been using Nielsen music data to have a two-to-one points lead, which is just so huge at number one. 
Yeah, we're talking songs that were massive, um, like last year, Shape of You by Ed Sheeran at one point, on top of Bad and Bougie, songs like I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston, Boy Is Mine, Brady Monica, just some songs, um, you know, the, that everyone knows have, were massive hits, long-lasting hits, um, and just, of course, cultural staples really at this point. So the fact that it's able to pull a two-to-one lead um, lends itself really well to a, to a long Hot 100 future. A lot of the songs that have done this two-to-one points lead um, have gone on to rule for close to double digits, if not double digits. So, you know, Drake's got to be feeling pretty good getting that massive an achievement in a week. Okay, other uh, history this week on the Billboard charts we should point out. A song we heard back in number eight, uh, B.B. Rex and Florida Georgia Line with Meant to Be. Uh, number one on the Hot Country Songs chart for a 13th week. Ties history. Uh, so a couple weeks ago, it got its 11th week at number one. That passed Taylor Swift's We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together for the most weeks at number one ever on Hot Country Songs for a song by solo female. This week... Ties the overall female record, uh, 13 weeks at number one. The only other song featuring lead female vocals to do that was this song. I got a girl crush. Hate to admit it, but I got a heart rush. It's slowing down. Little Big Town Girl Crush a couple years ago, 13 weeks at number one on Billboard's Hot Country Songs chart in 2015. So that's now tied with uh, Meant to Be, BB Rexa, Florida Georgia Line for longest leading number one country hit featuring female vocals. And for uh, fortune tellers out there looking ahead to if it can break the record next week, uh, signs probably pointing pretty good. Saying it's meant to be? It. <laughs> You're trying not to say that. I was definitively avoiding it, but yes, it. some might say it's meant to be. All right. Uh, let's talk more about that song. Let's find out things that are going on, all things in Warner Brothers records. So that song's on Warner Brothers. A uh, song we heard at number five, Look Alive by Black Boy JB featuring Drake, also on Warner Brothers. If we expand it to number 11 this week, Dua Lipa is there with new rules after hitting uh, the top 10 on the Hot 100. She's on Warner Brothers. So uh, we're going to talk about uh, those artists. As we said, uh, Macklemore as well. Let's get into uh, so many things about Warner Brothers. We've got the labels Mike Sherwood here on the Billboard Sharpie Podcast. Mike from Warner Brothers Records. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thanks so much for joining us on the Billboard Sharpie podcast. Thanks for having me. So, Mike, we've had uh, uh, guys who uh, are focused on promoting to radio. Your position is a little bit different. Why don't you uh, just explain what it is actually you do for Warner Brothers? Yeah, well, I have a, uh, a not-so-sexy title in the area of uh, I'm the vice president of uh, what we call commercial revenue and accounts. Um, but I like to just dumb it down and say that uh, I oversee the day-to-day of sales and streaming. So uh, me and my team work with uh, the biggest accounts that everybody's heard of, like Spotify and Apple and Amazon, but all the way down to, uh, to the little mom-and-pop independent record stores all across the country. So at everything in between. So I'm guessing your job day to day has has really changed as streaming has just gone to just absolutely huge levels and it keeps getting bigger. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's been an interesting ride to be on this side of the uh, of the business, um, coming up through the business for the last twenty years um, to kind of see the rise and fall of the CD, and now the rise and fall of the download, and now just the incredible meteoric rise of the stream has made for a very interesting career. And uh, with streaming um, comes so much data and so much learning um, that it's making us. Uh, you know, smarter and more effective than we've ever been uh, as an industry in terms of figuring out how to read records and, you know, chase the right songs and the right hits and, uh, you know, hopefully turn them into global smashes. Do you feel that uh, music at this point is more in the hands of the consumer? Because years ago, it was kind of uh, the label would say, this is what we're putting out and this is what you get. Nowadays, it's, it's a lot more everything's out there and there's more consumers saying, this is what we want to hear. Yeah, it's an interesting time, you know. Um, obviously, uh, having the essentially the history of popular recorded music available at one click of a mouse or one press of a button, um, you know, makes uh, makes things very different than it's been over the past forty or fifty years in the business. But what we found is that uh, unless there is a specific bit of curation um, that leads people to some of this stuff, it's hard for people to kind of figure out where to start. And they tend to lean in on the things that they know and that they love, um, which is obviously a normal human behavior in general. But, uh, you know, it's still quite challenging, even though they have everything at their fingertips to be able to listen to anything at any time. It's actually made it challenging in many different ways that uh, that selling CDs and even selling downloads uh didn't in the past um, getting through to uh, to consumers today in an attention span deprived generation um, you know makes it a very uh, interesting approach for all of us that get to sit on the front lines every day trying to figure out how to uh, how to get inside of people's ears and into their heads any thoughts on the uh potential uh, disappearing uh, of the CD. We've heard some uh, big box retailers uh, getting rid of it uh, going forward. Is that that something that scares you or or that's what music is? It's always changing and, and it's a label's job to adapt to that. Yeah, you know, I think it's a little bit of, of a lot of those things. You know, uh, I don't think we should actively participate in uh, the demise of any particular format unless the consumer is actually telling us that it's no longer needed or no longer warranted. Um, so, you know, it's understandable state of the business that uh, something physical in this specific uh, conversation CD is 
going the way of the buffalo, but it's often, often contradicted by the rise of, of vinyl at the same time. And, you know, there's still, it's still a large, you know, business when you look at it holistically, where close to 100 million CDs were sold in the United States last year. But that will continue to decline. I think there will always be a market for things that are kind of tangible and people that enjoy the physical aspect of, you know, consuming music. But obviously that's going to continue to shift. Um, you know, interestingly, the download is actually uh, decreasing at rates higher than the physical CD ever has. Um, and that's obviously primarily just with people that were already in the digital space adopting streaming and moving over much more quickly than they did from the physical to digital space. Right. Yeah, but you buy 10 downloads, you might as well, you can have a month of Spotify and then have those six songs and, and more. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think it's it, it, there's a large part of like the kind of human behavior portion of it where you're already kind of familiar being in that digital space. You know, if you were been buying downloads for seven or eight years or ten years, however long, it, it's not hard for you to get your head around the the idea of oh, I can pay a flat rate of ten bucks a month, and now I can listen to anything at any time, anywhere I want to listen to it. So I think it's a little bit easier for uh, for that kind of digital consumer to make that jump um, just like we saw where you know it took a minute for people that were longtime physical buyers to really move into the download space so I think you'll continue to see a migration of, of both those configurations moving all towards streaming and given your position uh, Mike you had to be happy uh, at the end of last year was the first time we'd seen growth in revenue uh, in the music business uh, in a long time after years of uh, downturns and again streaming driving that yeah, it's uh, again, it's a very exciting time to be on this side of the business and in being in the business in general. It's um, it's really breathe, you know, breathe a new life into uh, to the business. And um, again, it, it, it's really kind of forced us to drive new strategies on how we're impacting people to where they want to consume more and more um, of our music specifically. But as an industry as a whole, it's, you know, getting into into a room, you know, for the past 10 years, there was always a bit of doom and gloom as to, you know, oh, business is tough and, oh, this is where we're heading and what are we going to do? And you can certainly feel in the past couple of years when you get into those same room, you uh, you quickly feel that, that level of optimism and there's definitely an air of hope and we're all kind of in an arms race to figure out, um, you know, what mechanisms and levers that you can pull to really get people to, instead of listening to your song one or two times, listening to it 50 to 100 times and really helping to drive that revenue i was gonna say this uh, to use a really bad pun it kind of feels like probably these are these are good old days at warner brothers right now with with all the hits you guys are having with uh, three top tens recently uh, in the top 10 all at the same time it was uh, the first time that warner brothers had done that in four years so uh on top of on top of uh, just uh, streaming everything going so well uh, warner brothers itself are having a having a nice high point right now mike yeah, you know, it's an exciting time to be at Warner Brothers. You know, we've uh, we implemented a strategic strategy a little, uh, probably middle to beginning of last year where we realized, you know, this is a great historic label. You can walk through the halls here and you can see all the uh, the incredible images of artists that have, uh, have adorned Warner's halls through many, many years and many decades. And we realized that, you know, we weren't exactly strategically positioned to take advantage of the uh, of the current streaming boom 
boom. So that required an investment in A&R and a shift at our highest level of the company in terms of bringing in a new chairman. And uh, it's really reinvigorated the label. Um, and that's being evidenced right now on the charts. It's, uh, it's an exciting time to be able to say that we have three songs inside of uh, the Hot 100 Top 10. Yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, it's an exciting time to be here, that's for sure. Who do you see on the walls when you walk, uh, when you walk all through the office? Oh, man. Obviously, Prince, uh, you see him looking at you. It seems like every corner you turn around, he's, <laughs> he's somewhere. Yeah. But you see Talking Heads, and you see Fleetwood Mac, and I mean, just obviously legends of not just Warner Brothers, but uh, music in general, and uh, and certainly artists that had uh, an impact on pop culture. Um, it's it's a pretty special place to be able to walk through and, and see that history kind of looking right, looking right back at you. And, you know, it really does... Uh, inspire you to want to be able to have the next chapter of that incredible history. It's a 60-year anniversary of Warner Brothers this year, um, so it makes you really, you know, give pause and and kind of reflect on on your role and and while you're looking back, it's incredibly important to be looking forward at you know future stars like Dua Lipa and BB Rexa and um, the myriad of other artists that we're in the middle of uh, developing and sharing with the world right now. Yeah, let's get into some of these uh, artists that are uh, doing so well right now. Let's start with BB because of her uh, her uh, record week uh, this week uh, on the Hot Country Songs chart we mentioned before. Uh, if you saw the stat, Mike, uh, 13 weeks at number one on the Hot Country Songs chart. That ties Girl Crush by Little Big Town for the longest leading Hot Country Songs number one ever featuring female vocals. P- pretty crazy to think. Even BB herself has said you know, she's a, a girl from New York. She, she's uh, surprised that she's having all this country success. I mean, it is just absolutely a phenomenal story. And when you when you look and you kind of start to trace um, BB's history, is, is she has actually a very strong and rich history with being on all kinds of different songs, whether she's a feature or uh, a lead vocalist. Where she's worked in the you know the hip hop space with Two Chains and Gucci Mane, and some of her biggest collaborations were with G Easy, which was obviously a, a hip hop song as well. But she's also had tremendous amount of success in the dance kind of EDM space with Martin Garrix and uh, uh, track on this uh, current EP with uh, Cranium. So it it's it's a it's amazing to see the level of success she's now having in the country space. Obviously, that's uh, that's helped along greatly by such uh, big stars such as uh, Florida Georgia Line. But it really kind of falls in line with where her career has been. Is that she's been able to kind of cut across multiple genres and find great levels of success um, in each of those genres. So it's, uh, it's, it's really an amazing story. It really is. What comes next for BB? How do you take the success of this song? And as you said, all these different uh, songs she's had in different genres, uh, first, first LP. Do you feel like at this point you, you kind of need to maybe focus her uh, towards one genre? Or is it uh, like we're seeing with a lot of artists, uh, there are fewer barriers nowadays. People can do uh, different sounds. They can bounce around from uh, different genres. That maybe that's uh, just as good as putting out one specific sound and tying yourself to that. Yeah, you know, ultimately, I think it's part of uh, of who BB is, right? So, um, and it, and, it, and to your point, and to the conversation of streaming, I think in this day and age where things are just a click away, um, that you know, there's no reason f- to kind of 
pigeonhole an artist if that's uh, an area that they want to go to is to do a feature with uh, an up-and-coming hip-hop artist great go for it country lane great go for it and obviously in her main lane of pop so I think what the next step is is you know we took a more music more often approach which was a very streaming centric approach in 2017 instead of having one body of work we opted to work multiple singles that led into six song EPs that way we were developing the artist uh, and the fan base and giving them more music more often um, you know with the success of Meant to Be that's actually been able to position us to allow BB um, to create her first fully realized album and that's really going to be the next step here is uh, is now bringing to market a whole new set of songs um, that I think helps kind of uh, legitimize her as an album artist and not just a singles to single to single to singles artist um, so we're excited to get ready to announce that in uh, in the near future that you know she uh, she's been working diligently on a, uh, a new body of work that's going to cross multiple genres once again yeah, she told Billboard that uh, she was working uh, not necessarily with other country artists, but with some country songwriters uh, as part of uh, what she's doing next. Yeah, you know, the great thing about BB is she'll, <laughs> she really will work from that A&R perspective with anybody that she has a connection with. And uh, I think she's uh, she's obviously a very uh, sharp songwriter herself. The majority of those hits that even though they were uh, potentially or, or performed by other uh, other acts like g or even the Eminem uh, song Monster, those were penned by BB. Um, so she has a lot of success in that songwriting uh, arena um, on her own and working with others. So I think, again, to her credit, she's savvy enough to recognize that working with uh, with writers from all genres can really translate translate into incredible success including a 13 week number 1 country song <laughs> Let's move on to Dua Lipa, uh, just out of the top 10 this week, but a nice nice run in the top 10. This, this is one of the more interesting stories of the last uh, year or so, because you're talking about a, a really slow and steady build. The song was number one in the UK about six months ago, and then uh, took that long to get to the top 10. Really uh, slow and steady build on the Hot 100. The, was it dedication? Is it her talent? A little bit of everything? At, at what point did you realize when the song was so big overseas, uh, you might have something at some point for the U.S.? Yeah, the two stories are a really interesting one. You know, they started over in the UK, essentially, I think, middle of 2015. And, you know, we got involved at the end of 2016 or maybe the middle of 2016. And we actually took a couple of singles to U.S. radio, um, kind of with varying degrees of, uh, of success, but nothing that really had broken through. And, um, you know, again, following the kind of UK's lead, because they were having a tremendous amount of success with her in the UK and in Europe, you know, we released 
released the uh, her debut album in June of last year. And, you know, what was interesting is because we had just tried a couple of songs at radio, we hadn't really identified another song and we were definitely going to kind of take the wait and see approach. We were invested in Dua. We were very excited about her. We had seen this tremendous career growth happening in other parts and even here in the States with some touring that she had done. She was selling out venues here. Um, but we had yet to kind of hit that song that really connected with people. And what separated New Rules was we went out and we made arguably a very good video. Um, it really, you know, showcased who she was and it really helped bring the song and the lyrics to life. And what's very interesting is the album came out in the first week of June. The video for New Rules was released in the first week of July. And from the moment that the video uh, premiered, it absolutely took off. The song just went to a completely other place and another level, and it actually made our job, while still doing a lot of work and a lot of heavy lifting, made our job much easier because all of a sudden we had very tangible like data that showed, hey, in the first week of this video, you know, there was an over 500% increase in in track consumption here in the United States. And when you can kind of go to your partners, whether it's at Spotify or Apple or Amazon or whomever it is, and illustrate for them that organically people came into their service and that they consume this in a major way, man, it was like the first domino of, of hundreds that were about to fall before we knew it. We By the end of that first week, we found ourselves in today's top hits over at Spotify. We found ourselves in A-list pop over at Apple. And it was just off to the races from there on out. And it did take a lot of what you referred to. It took a lot of focus. It took a lot of, you know, rolling up the sleeves and making people believers that this was the song that was going to put her over. And I know our radio team, man, came up against a lot of hard and heavy walls, but ultimately broke through them because the song just kept showing that it was a hit. And not every song does that, and not every song can stick around for six months while radio continues to build and build. But it was an amazing kind of coordinated effort over a six and seven month period um, to be able to deliver uh, a global smash. You know, what's really interesting about the video, to put it you know, into context, is that they just announced last week she is the youngest female artist ever to hit one billion views on a video on YouTube. It was really, truly the catalyst that helped drive the success, and then the streaming story really helped pile on, and then radio came in. Yeah, huge hit of pop radio. I actually kind of chuckle now when I hear the song. It's crossing over to AC radio, the, uh, the You Ain't Getting Over Him lyric on AC radio. I think it's kind of funny. People maybe hear the, 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 the new rules part. They hear the chorus. They hear the her, her counting down stuff. Maybe that lyric kind of slips uh, past PDs or listeners a little bit, but it just kind of shows how big the song is if you can even get that lyric on, on adult radio. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's certainly a message song, and uh, it's a message that obviously seems very timely with all that's going on in uh, in the U- you know U.S. culture right now. And it's uh, it's it is kind of ironic that a, a lyric like that kind of have snuck through. But you know, the irony of that is we have a follow up single called uh, IDGAF, um, which again we dropped a video in in the early part of January, and we've seen already incredible large response to 
it. And the radio guys that are out right now working at radio and already have you know dozens and dozens of stations on it. And we think this one's going to move very quickly as well. So I think uh, the 2018 is going to be a very, very bright year for Dua. And that's really saying something coming out of 2017. You know, one of the cool things too about Dua um, and that people may have realized in the past couple of, of weeks is that it's pretty hard it seems like nowadays to, to break a new pop artist into into the highest parts of streaming of the charts I mean we see a lot of these hip hop songs taking up so much real estate at the top of the chart and you know maybe an Ed Sheeran or somebody you know with several albums under their belt can get into that space but what's it like trying to work a new pop artist into a sphere that is just so streaming hip hop dominated at this point yeah, you know, it, it is challenging because if you look, there's there's exactly what you've described. There's It seems like there is a new, you know, pop artist uh, coming out every week. And this is where I think the real kind of the global story of streaming really comes into play um, as they were really developing and building a, a very nice story outside of the United States. It was something that when you go to a, an account or a partner like Spotify and they look in their system, they're looking at a global view. They're not necessarily just looking at the U.S. view. And when they go in to see these things, they see, okay, well, there's something very real happening here, and what exactly is it? And um, that gives us the kind of the perfect lever to go and push harder for more streaming and more focus. But to your point, what makes her stand out? I mean, ultimately, it's easy to say now because we're all seeing it, but she's absolutely a star. She had made a great debut record and had multiple songs that worked in other territories. But I think there's something to be said about the the creative of that video that kind of set her apart, that took her out of that kind of developing lane and put her onto the fast track of being somebody that people could relate to, that they were excited about and ultimately needed to listen to more of. And, you know, I think all those little pieces kind of added up. And again, like we just mentioned, I think the song itself, because of what's happening in culture and society right now with the Me Too movement, um, I think the song resonates in ways. So I think, you know, as we've all seen throughout our careers, that timing can be everything. And I think in many ways, the timing of this song was was kind of perfect in the marketplace, which helped her set her apart from other developing pop artists. that I think really uh, stands out maybe even more for her is uh, what she did on Saturday Night Live Homesick the ballad because people can hear no rules they'll hear the lyrics they'll hear uh, the interesting production but a song like that uh, number one has a great hook but really shows what a great vocalist she is uh, I don't know what your plans are further for that song but uh, just shows a whole other side of her and, and, and uh, really her, uh, how strong a singer she is 
Yeah, you know, that was a very strategic and I can tell you well debated <laughs> strategy inside of the company and with Dua and management and the UK as to, you know, Saturday Night Live is obviously a, uh, a still a significant pop culture moment. And, uh, and it, I think it would have made a lot of sense in many ways for her to roll right out there and to do the second single, yeah. um, which we were just ramping up. But uh, to the things that you said were exactly what we were hoping to get across is that Dua is a, a true talent and has a great voice and it has a real presence to her and taking a bit of a calculated risk and putting her on to do that second song versus another big pop song um, I think was something that ended up being the right decision in that moment because it, it seemed to really resonate with people and it's been a song that um, has found all kinds of nice traction Chris Martin is actually a guest on the uh, on the song on the album so the uh, the audio version of it includes Chris and the songs had a very nice kind of organic run and the UK used it around the holidays a little bit but uh, it's a special song for a special artist and uh, opening for more shows coming up this year for Bruno Mars that probably will help her profile a little bit opening for Bruno Mars yeah, never hurts. You know, Bruno was kind enough to take her out, especially here in the U.S. at a very kind of critical time for us. She spent all of September here in the States opening for Bruno on his arena tour. And, uh, you know, that was about two months into the video being out. But we were really just getting started at radio in that window. And it was provided a huge opportunity for us to be able to um, to take, you know, programmers and partners out alike to be able to go out and see that this was something very real. And uh, the timing of it really could not have been better um, with Bruno. So it's great to see that he's continuing to take her out. You know, the exciting part is that she's selling tickets on her own out here uh, in the U.S. She just finished up a uh, second leg of her uh, her U.S. tour, and she did two shows here in Los Angeles at the Palladium. It was over 7,000 tickets sold on in two nights. Um, so there's not a lot of young, up-and-coming pop stars that are selling 7,000 tickets in Los Angeles these days. So uh, she just announced another leg of it in June, June this year, and we'll be Chris crossing the country again so it's going to continue to be an important piece of our uh, of our plan as we continue to turn her into a global superstar now for a situation like this when you were talking about you know there were there's some songs that you guys released at first that weren't you know maybe catching on at radio quite in the same way then you strike gold you know with with these later singles on the album now you know what's the next step for her do you do you try and rework some of the original songs we've seen that kind of work for some artists like post malone who have when fans have gone back and rediscovered a few songs that from the debut album that they had missed the first time do you try and get new material while she's hot with these with these new couple of songs where do you go when you know you you catch on sort of later in the album cycle uh and to keep that star going forward yeah you know it's a it's a great question and it's a it's really an amazing problem to be faced with um you know it's because outside of the u.s those songs that we didn't have a lot of success with whether it was blow your mind or or be the one they had been you know very successful in other territories and especially on the on the streaming platforms around the globe so you know i think there is uh, there's some validity to that conversation in terms of you know do you go back and work one or two of those songs that we believe so strongly in in the early days or is it really better to get her in the studio and you know get her working on new material i think 
think ultimately um, that's the direction we're going to go, but it's still something that uh, as we just get into the next song, IDGAF, um, something that we'll continue to weigh as we uh, as we move through that single and see where that leads us. But uh, it's amazing to have options. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> Not always the case. So the fact that we uh, we potentially could look backwards or uh, continue to look forward is uh, is a nice problem to have. Yeah, I mean, definitely you have you know plenty of time, no no urgency to it. But I just figured it was kind of a an interesting setup that you that you haven't seen in a while from some of these big artists. Yeah, certainly, and not something we've seen at Warner Brothers in uh, in recent years either. So it uh, again is an exciting challenge that faces us. I was thinking about the band. I was thinking about the fans. We were underground, loading merch in that 12-passenger van in a small club. We won't uh, keep you too much uh, longer, Mike, but uh, let's just talk about a couple more uh, acts that are uh, doing really well for Warner Brothers right now on the rap side. Uh, heard uh, in the top 10 this week at number five, uh, Blockboy JB featuring Drake and Look Alive. And also, uh, Macklemore doing really well at pop radio, especially a couple top 20 hits uh, from the latest album, Good Old Days, just about to hit the top 10, it looks like, at uh, Top 40 Radio. So you guys are kind of hitting a lot of different sounds. Coming up with the, uh, with the Blockboy JB, can you... You know, detail for those who may not know what what is the Block Boy JB connection with Drake? Did did Drake you know find him? How how did they come to work together on this song? Yeah, you know, um, it's uh, it, first it comes through us to uh, through our label partner OVO Sound, which is uh, which is Drake's label. It's a it's a label deal that we've had for several years at Warner Brothers. I think going back to 2013 or maybe even a little bit earlier than that. Um, and has brought us great artists like Division and Maja Jordan and Roy Woods. Um, and what was interesting about this is, you know, obviously Drake is is signed to the Universal family of labels over there, and um, we don't necessarily get Drake songs. He tends to feature on some of his artists that are on his uh, his OVO Sounds label. Um, but this one was unique and interesting in the way that it came to us because this artist has um, had quite a bit of buzz building and coming out of uh, out of Memphis. And Drake just kind of came across it organically from what we've been told and really liked the track and, and figured he would try to get on it. So that's exactly what he did. You know, if somebody, if Drake calls you, you pretty much say yes, I think is how it goes these days. Um, and Block Boy wisely uh, agreed. And, you know, it happened all very quickly. Um, it was literally within a couple of weeks that, uh, that Drake and Block Boy connected. And, uh, and before you know it, we had a, uh, a kind of a, a new track uh, that had been kicking around. Um, you know, the Block Boy version without Drake had been moving around the uh, kind of the southeast for um, – you know, since the end of last year, and there was a dance that was affiliated with it, and you know, putting Drake on it just was obviously the the right uh, right bit of magic that uh, that the song needed to be able to go to the next level. And the thing has just been a rocket ship ride. I mean, obviously, everything touched Drake. Everything Drake touches in the streaming world um, is just absolutely fire. So it's amazing to see this song uh, with this artist uh, moved up so quickly and sitting inside of the top five of the Hot One. 
And now you look uh, five years later for Macklemore after uh, those first two huge hits in 2013. He's become a, almost a, a veteran, a legacy artist, a top 40 at this point. Uh, Son good old days doing really well uh, with Kesha. What's, uh, what's interesting about this is this is really just good old fashioned radio promotion at its finest. Uh, our uh, radio team has been involved with the Macklemore project going back to those, uh, to those early days of uh, the biggest hits with Thrift Shop and the others that came after it. Um, and, you know, Macklemore, uh, you know, he released a record in between this that didn't do as well uh, and seemed to like a little bit of that uh, that sophomore curse that some artists have come across. But to his credit and to the team uh, around it, primarily the radio team, they uh, they knew that they had a couple of special songs on this project and uh, they were just going to take no for an answer. And, and to Macklemore's credit, he's done a lot of the legwork, too. Um, before the album and the songs came out, he was crisscrossing the country and meeting with programmers and fans and doing the things that he knew he was going to need to do um, to kind of get back into into the kind of mainstream pop culture consciousness. And uh, here we are with the good old days sitting at number 13 and him and, Co- him and Kesha are going to go out and co-headline an arena tour this summer and things are looking pretty great in the Macklemore business. I gotta ask um, when it comes to an artist like Macklemore who obviously you have this massive first album you know you get there's the flack there's the backlash about the Grammy Awards and, and, and does he deserve it and what's what it, where's his place in the culture from your point of view and your job how does that how did those situations and conversations when you go for the next album or next attempt how does that shape how you position him how you how you can market him how you how you work with the records yeah, you know, again, this one's interesting. Macklemore is a fiercely independent artist and uh, and works through our the kind of independent arm of the Warner Music Group. Um, but he's also savvy and smart enough to know that uh, he should pull in the help where he uh, where he can get it. Which is why our Warner Brothers radio promo team has has been involved with him since day one. But I think um, you know that conversation in general is always uh, is a great task, and you you see it with other artists. Uh, I think of actually Imagine Dragons. Uh, quite recently as well that their second record didn't do as well and the the third one uh you know has now kind of re brought them back to uh to the forefront of people's minds and that's what we're seeing with macklemore here but you know this sounds a little cliche but it it, it is so true in so many ways it it ultimately comes back to the to the a and r and the quality of the music and artists that are are focused and, and honest with themselves that something didn't connect the first time around and really focus on creating art that will connect the second time around, it makes all those conversations in conference rooms that much easier. Because as soon as you know you've got something special, the attitude and the bullishness that comes from the team to go out and kind of knock down every door and not to take any no, it, it just becomes that much easier because you know that the art is great and that the artist is special and it's something that people uh, need to hear. And as much as I uh, had those two number ones to start, I feel like maybe maybe long term uh, people might always come back to same love as maybe the most important song uh, he'll ever uh, put out. Yeah, and it, it, to be in you know to be in the audience when he performs that even to this day, it, it's such a special song. And again, uh, in in a similar way to what we were referring to with Dua, I mean the timing of that of that song was so perfect. Uh, you know, in the culture of what was happening in the United States and around the world, and I think it helped elevate an already amazing song to just a just a kind of an iconic level. And uh, again, to see him perform it live even to this day is uh, is a really really special moment to be in, a, in an audience when it's when it's happening. Yeah.
Anything else in the pipeline, uh, Mike, at uh, Warner Brothers? New new releases, new new artists that uh, you're already preparing a, a space on the wall uh, for future people who are going to be framed? Next to Prince. <laughs> yeah, we, we got a couple of them. We're pretty excited. You know, we've got this new track from uh, from Marshmello and Anne-Marie. Now, Marshmello is obviously an independent artist and continues to find quite a bit of success, especially in the streaming world. But Anne-Marie is a, a UK-based artist that we're really excited, uh, excited about and will be releasing her debut album at the end of April. This single right now, a song called uh, Friends, debuted at number 29 on the top 40 last week, and looks like it's going to make another leap this week, maybe inside of the top 20. Um, but it's a big song. It sounds like a big song. The video is great, and it's going to be an incredible kind of launching pad for Anne-Marie as a solo artist here in the United States. And uh, the great thing for her is she's been announced uh, outside of the United States. Um, she's going to be opening uh, the Ed Sheeran kind of global stadium tour that kicks off in May and runs through the summer. Um, so really a great position for her to be in. But this this track, Friends, is going to be something where we'll definitely be clearing space on the wall for a new platinum plaque. Uh, that one's pretty exciting. And that's been out for just a couple weeks now, too. Yeah, I've seen um, on Global Spotify, it's really, I mean, solidly in the top 10. Um, obviously, yep. doing really well in the UK. And I, I noticed on the US that it's, again, I mean, one of those things, when whenever there's a pop song, you know, moving up the US Spotify charts, that's always um, a good indicator. And you know something special because most pop songs just can't get to that, that top space. But it seems like that one is, is moving up quickly. Yeah, it's really exciting to see it. I mean, obviously, it doesn't hurt to have Marshmallow on that track, but uh, with his global footprint. Um, but it is—it's uh, amazing to see how quickly it has moved. Um, and to your point, sitting inside of the top ten at uh, on the global Spotify chart is uh, is an exciting thing to see because it's uh, it's tough to get some of these pop songs up past all of these monster uh, hip hop and uh, and rap songs. So it's uh, it's it got a lot of promise, and we're really excited about that track. And then another artist that we're really excited about is a, a Bay Area um, female rapper by the name of Sweetie. Um, her song Icy Girl was kind of a bit of a uh, viral phenomenon um, at the end of 2017 and uh, we got into partnership with her in uh, in January this year and we're really just starting to uh, to ramp up the work on this track Icy Girl and uh, just added it to just went to, uh, to Urban Radio last week where it was the number two most added track and uh, we're getting ready for her first kind of debut EP with some new music in the marketplace but it's amazing to see the effect she's having um, with this song on uh, kind of in the social space where lots of people are uh, posting videos of themselves singing it and uh, the reaction to her on uh, on Instagram and the amount of followers she has has been great but this track Sweetie and Icy Girl is going to be really something. All right, Mike, congratulations on all the success that uh, Warner Brothers uh, is having. Things continue to uh, go great. So uh, thank you so much for coming on the Billboard Sharpie podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time.
little piece of new Dua Lipa. That's uh, I-D-G-A-F, radio edit on that song. But new uh, music from her. You know what I thought of uh, afterwards? Trevor, we should have uh, said this to Mike, our guest. I think I figured out one of the secrets to why Warner Brothers is doing so well right now. Okay. Artists of Albanian descent. Both Bibi Rexa and Dua Lipa have uh, Albanian uh, heritage. Albanians was hot right now. Go go out and get you an Albanian. That'll you know up 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 your stock too. Thank you, Wikipedia. All right, and to wrap things up this week, we are going to flash back 25 years to the peak of the Disney Renaissance, at least if you're looking at the uh, Hot 100, when the animated film Aladdin came out in 1992. Everyone knows the, the stellar song, A Whole New World, the Oscar winning A Whole New World, and it actually went all the way to number one on the Hot 100, not the cartoon version, uh, that would be sung by... Brad Kane and Leah Salonga's Aladdin and Jasmine, but the uh, official pop remake done by the dynamic duo of Peebo Bryson and Regina Bell, hitting number one on the Hot 100 this week, 25 years ago, back in 1993. Did that knock out a certain song that had been number one for quite a while? It did. Uh, impressively, this was the song that finally toppled, or if you're me, regrettably... Uh, Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You which had been number one for the previous 14 weeks and at the time that was the chart record for the most weeks at number one by any song in Hot 100 history so I'm pretty sure I mean I'm sure people were really you know by people of course I mean the people who worked here and chart fans and Whitney fans were, were probably wondering you know what song would eventually do it um, there have been a couple songs you know challenging in that number two spot but I don't think anybody would have pegged a whole new world when it came out to be you know the giant killer that it became well, I'm just impressed that you can put your your uh, yeah I know how you feel about Whitney if you can uh, celebrate that the song knocked her out of number one that's that's big of you well I mean it's not I mean that's a great song honestly if you I mean, I'm sure everyone has probably seen Aladdin knows the song. You know, it's. I think it's impressive that you can just do such a great justice to a song. And um, people, Regina, obviously great vocalist in their own right. But with Aladdin um, really representing the high point of that Disney renaissance, which is that period that, that people assigned to sort of from The Little Mermaid through Tarzan, right. when Disney's animated films just came back and there's almost one at least every year, every other year, and they were just hits after hits after hits. Um, so... During that period, a lot of the songs were big Hot 100 hits, so I just want to recap a few of those um, and some of the pop versions that got really high on the chart. Well, obviously, as we were talking about, A Whole New World hitting number one at the beginning of 1993. The year before that, um, the theme song and title song of Beauty and the Beast hit number nine on the Hot 100, as done by Peebo Bryson, so he's a... Pulling up two top tens, just thanks to those Disney songs. That time, he was joined by uh, a pretty new vocalist to the American audiences by the name of Celine Dion. Certainize the sun. Certainize the sun. Rising in the east. 
our intern Megan just had a great reaction to that. <laughs> Big Celine your, Dion fan. Is this your childhood, uh, Meg? Or I guess you probably weren't you know, born at this point, but I'm oh, assuming you've watched all these movies. I was born. I was born at that time. This is uh, this is my entire childhood that you're talking about. <laughs> okay. Uh, that song also a nice Oscar winner. Um, one of Celine's you know first really big hits on, on stateside. She actually would go on to have, of course, uh, four number ones, sell zillions of albums worldwide. But one of the very first times that American audiences really got a great grasp of her vocal talent. Uh, following up from Aladdin, another monster hit for Disney in 1994, and probably the most beloved film of this Disney Renaissance era. That would be The Lion King. Uh, Sir Elton John taking on some big, big songs with that one, including Can You Feel the Love Tonight, which was a uh, number four hit on the Hot 100 in 1994. And he also got another top 20 hit uh, that year with Circle of Life. So uh, Elton John really bringing home some Lion King glory. might be remaking that next year yeah well I, I was gonna say and of course we'll potentially see some, some more Lion King action on the charts next year uh, 2019 with the live action remake and if you have not heard by now please A move from under the rock that you are currently paying rent towards because Childish Gambino Donald Glover and will be playing Simba and we've got the one the only Beyonce Knowles Carter as Nala, so we might be able to hear a little Can You Feel the Love tonight, and I don't want to hear Gary's going to bring one up, reason I brought this Gary's going to bring up this, 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 this amazing pun that he hopes that they somehow credit the song towards, or at least he can revive it because Hashtag. of Destiny's Child, which we know Beyonce from Childish Gambino Hashtag Destiny's Childish Gambino Thank you No one make that trend, please a uh, few other big Hot 100 hits from the Disney Renaissance era in the 90s. Uh, we're talking Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas, done by former Miss America and chart uh, star in her own right, Vanessa Williams. Uh, she had a number one hit a couple years before with Save the Best for Last. This time, Colors of the Wind getting to number four on the Hot 100. Flash forward uh, a year from Pocahontas in 1996. We've got uh, another top 40 hit from All for One, the hunch on the Hunchback of Notre Dame. The song is Someday and Keep It Going in 1997. Hercules. We've got Go the Distance as done by Michael Bolton hitting number 24. Yeah, he actually hadn't had. Uh, he'd been so huge in the early 90s, but it was kind of a little of a comeback uh, hit for him at that point. Again, uh, thanks to a nice assist by Disney. 
Disney and Disney are only reviving careers. Disney's starting to make careers as well. If you move ahead one more year, 1998, we're going to talk about uh, Mulan. The song was not a Hot 100 hit, but uh, as we all probably know very well by now, the song Reflection, as featured in Mulan, done by a brand new face to the scene, Christina Aguilera. The song was a top 20 hit on the adult contemporary chart. And of course, you know, I got to throw my Whitney Houston connection here. Behind the scenes, there's a, a song, there's a high E in reflection that Christine Aguilera has to sing. And for her audition piece to prove that she could hit that note, she sang Whitney Houston's Run to You yeah. from The Bodyguard, which has that same note. So there's Whitney making Christina help. Whitney literally helped Christina become a Billboard charting artist. And you literally know every note. Whitney Houston has ever sung. Uh, well, she's, she can sing them all, so of course. If you know a note, Whitney can sing it. A uh, few others kind of ending up the, the Renaissance period for the animated films. Tarzan, 1999, uh, You'll Be In My Heart by Phil Collins, uh, was a number one hit for 19 weeks on the adult contemporary chart, so a really big hit there. Um, and of course, you know, Phil had been such a monster star in the 80s. I mean, to see him get a hit at the turn of the century, like this massive accomplishment for him. People might not even uh, know, although so many people do know the soundtrack, but uh, there, there's the other good songs, uh, original songs that Phil Collins did for that movie too. Uh, Strangers Like Me was the top 10 uh, AC hit, Two Worlds, uh, Son of Man, other other great songs from that. Now, after 99, this renaissance kind of comes to a close for Disney. Animated movies start kind of missing a little bit, not quite having the same kind of impact. But in the past couple of years, we've seen some of these animated films uh, revive and particularly do really well on the charts. I'm sure any parent out there will cringe when I say the word Frozen from a few years ago back in the top of 2014. Of course, the song Let It Go, just inescapable in pop culture and the version uh, done by Adina Menzel so actually not the pop version which was done by Demi Lovato but really the the version that you hear in the movie as sung by Adina Menzel a number 5 hit on the Hot 100 huge win for her And just in the past uh, about 18 months, we've seen the Moana soundtrack also do some nice things on the chart. Uh, the song How Far I'll Go, just missing out on the top 40 in the Hot 100 with number 41. We've got Dwayne The Rock Johnson becoming a Billboard Hot 100 charting artist with the song You're Welcome at number 65 as well. So uh, we could be entering a new period for Disney with some of these, uh, you know, especially with Lin-Manuel and some of these great... Uh, curators on these soundtracks um, definitely will be some things to look out for in the next couple of years all right well, that's this week's billboard sharpie podcast we're back uh, next week uh, we're gonna be on a two-part special next week on 
American Idol. It's coming back. So uh, next week, I'm uh, really excited to have 2011 American Idol champ Scotty McCreary. He's going to be our special guest. Uh, just got his first number one country airplay hit this week with the song Five More Minutes. Uh, he's going to be our guest along with label executive Norbert Nix of Triple Tigers Records, uh, both interviewed together by our Nashville correspondent, Jim Asker. He's been on the podcast uh, several times uh, before. So uh, Scotty's going to be our guest. And then the following week, we're going to recap the first episode, because we'll be back by then, of the rebooted Idol uh, premiering March 11th, now on ABC. And it's all going to be a part of uh, the countdown we're going to do related to Idol over the next couple of weeks. Of course, we'll also keep an eye on the president, what's happening on the Hot 100. Um, in particular, if Post Malone makes any big splash on the Hot 100, we'll be sure to cover that as well. I know uh, as we maybe get closer to the album release, there's there's some tour dates coming up, so there seems to be something moving in the wheelhouse of Post Malone. Um, again, we see how big the streams could be, the sales as well, so we'll keep that covered and see if he can be the one to challenge Drake. And to bring us home this week, uh, we talked so much about some of these big hits from the Disney Renaissance. One film that's a major part of that canon that unfortunately does not really have any chart representation because it was the first, and if you're the first, I guess you kind of lose out, is 1989's classic The Little Mermaid. So uh, to end with that, we're going to bring out one of the biggest hits of The Little Mermaid, a song everybody knows. Here is the Academy Award winning Under the Sea. Or, as Sebastian might say, under the sea. Under the sea, under the sea. Darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. Up on the shore, they work all day. Out in the sun, they slave away. While the devoting full time, floating under the sea. <laughs> 